impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one place for monetization strategy on the internet. My name is Steve Warner. Today, I am joined by the team at Expert Outsourcing. Dustin and Gregory are going to discuss how you hire your first hire for $1,000 a month or less because that is the biggest way to scale your business. Get the crap that you don't want to do off of your plate so it can free up your brain power to grow your business in the only way that you know how. Gregory, Dustin, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome, Steve. Thank you. No problem. I am super excited to talk to you because I know this was a huge pain point for me. Um, all I wanted to do was hire somebody to do all the crap that I didn't want to do, mostly writing blog posts and emails because I can't write. Um, but it was a huge pain point for me. I want to hear how you guys got started. Dustin, why don't you tell us, because you you guys are great at hiring now. You have all the skills in the world. You help people do it. But it came out of pain for you. So why don't you take us back to the beginning and tell us how this all started? Yeah, so about eight years ago, um, I, I decided I wanted to launch a software company. I've never programmed anything in my life. So of course, the first step was, you know, go on online. I think it was called Odesk at the time. Now it's Upwork. And I hired a programmer about three weeks into the project. He's like, oh, my laptop got stolen. Uh, but I have a cloud backup. Can you front me the money for the next, for a new laptop? And then, you know, I'll finish the project, but you won't have to pay me. And I was like, okay, because we're already three weeks into it. So I sent him the money and then he never responded again. Like that was it. He just straight up scammed me. And I was like, oh, that sucks. So then I'm like, okay, I'm not hiring. I'm not hiring like another person from, from the Philippines again, which is really uncommon by the way, from the Philippines. But in this case it happened. And so I hired a guy from like, I don't know, it was like Bulgaria or something like that. Anyhow, he came in, he worked for another, you know, two or three weeks, took his first milestone payment, never sent me a line of code, disappeared. And it like just kept happening. And I was spending the money I had saved for a vacation to England with our family. And my wife was getting more and more upset with my entrepreneurial dream, right? Because like, how do you have a software company without a programmer? So then, then I was like, okay, I know this programmer from like childhood. I, I called him up. He looked at my whole game design document and everything. And he says, oh, this is like great, but it's going to be way too much work. And then a month later, he released the exact same game um, on the Google Play Store. And I was just like, Wah! you know, like I was, I was just as done as I could be. My wife, she, she came to me and she's like, look, dude, you have 30 days and then you have to go get a J-O-B. So like, she just like laid down the law. That was it. And I was so desperate and I knew I had a good idea. And, and so like, we just struggled and worked. And after 30 days, I was certainly not like at the point where um, I wanted to be, but I was far enough ahead that like I could see because the, the ad networks pay 90 or 120 days out. And so like, I was, I was like enough traction that I knew in the future I would make money. 
even though right now I was broke and like literally people from my church donated money so we could have Christmas dinner. Like it was so bad. So like, I, I want to ask how, how did you get your wife on board with that? Because that's like so many entrepreneurs are like, man, that's such a tough conversation. Your church is giving you dinner. Yeah. Like, like so <laughs> desperate, right? So desperate. And I had had successful businesses in the past. So like, but was that just an accident, right? Like, was I successfully accidentally before? So uh, we read the book, The Slight Edge. And I, I, I'm like, I'm watching all the kids. You go to the library. I want you to read this book. And she read the book. And I'm like, if we just make one app that makes $1 a day, and I can make 100 of them, that's $100 a day right? Like that was it. It was like, there was no pitch. There was no strategy. There's just like, if I can work so hard and, and hit the lowest bar over and over again, it will be successful. And, and so she's like, okay. So that's when she gave me the 30 days. Cause she was about to call it quit. She was like, no, you're done. And I was like, no, no, I have a plan. It's, it's going to work. It's going to work. And so, uh, once, once that first 30 days was up, I was making like maybe $30 a day. So not close to a hundred dollars a day, which is our like minimum family survival level. Right. And meanwhile, like the money I'd saved from my last business for this trip to England, I'm just eating it, you know? And like, well, at that point it was pretty much gone. So I was like, I have got to hire people because I can't, like I was working 18 hour days. It was insane. And, um, and, and I knew money was going to come in three months or six months. Like, like it, it's going to come, but it's not here yet. I've earned it, but I haven't got it. And so uh, I, I, I casually knew Gregory and I went to him and I was like, I have this great thing going on. Look at how it's growing. Like it's, and it, it's got a great growth curve, even though the numbers are small right now, but I need help scaling it. And he's like, oh, well, you need to outsource. And I'm like, dude, I so tried that. I'm not going down that road again. There's got to be a better way. And uh, yeah. Oh, well, I want Gregory to take this over. So what were your thoughts, Gregory, when you when you heard this and you were like, yeah, sure. You need to outsource. You're making $30 a day. What's going on well, in your head? I, I was somewhat impressed with the growth curve. Honestly, it was like hockey stick style. And I was pretty excited. Actually, I offered Dustin to partner in the business and to buy half of it right there. So it was, it was really something cool. Uh, what Dustin was saying on that first meeting, he says, look, I have this girl that works for me, but um, by the time she does the art, um, I can't wait for her that long. I do it myself. Like I, I, I saw that many times in my life where, you know, you're so impatient and they don't do it quite right. You just redo the work yourself. So Dustin was at that point. Um, and basically I, I had a lot of good experiences with outsourcing and and it had a lot to do with how to hire them, but it had to do about how to manage them um, for me. So, um, and so basically I offered Dustin to partner and I brought in a couple of people right off the bat uh, that I had worked with um, for years. And, uh, and that's where the business took off quite a bit. Awesome. So, so it was so funny. I'll never forget this conversation. Gregory's like, okay, this guy, George, who, who still works for us, by the way, he's like, uh, I just want you to train them on everything you're doing. And I'm like, oh yeah, just building a company from the ground up. I'll just train them this week, you know? And like, I'm working, I'm working like 16 to 18 hours a day at this time. Like, like there's, I, I wake up at seven, you know, and I go to bed at like 10 and it's a hundred percent like hardcore, yeah. just work, 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 not a minute to breathe. 
And I'm like, I don't have time to train somebody else. He's like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. And I remember like, I remember actually feeling really angry because like, A, I just brought this guy on and now he's actually giving me more work, not less. And the whole point was that I wanted to like have a life again, you know? And, um, and it was really interesting. Like literally two weeks later to the day, I, I like, I had started work at eight and I ended at like four and I was like, what just happened? Like I'm done for the day, you know? And so it was that, that moment where I'm like, oh, the right person makes all the difference. And there was things I could never train them on, but we hired those out. But most of what I was doing was not specialized. It was just like 30 different general things that I was like mashing together in my own, like, you know, handicap process that, you know, gave out these garbled gremlins. Right. But, you know, so. I'm going to really quickly, I want to call out two things that I heard in that. The first one is you were making $30 a day, you had spent your vacation money, you were digging into money, and you still knew that the number one thing you had to do in order to scale quickly was to hire. I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss that. And I want to call that out. The very first thing you should do when you have money is not go buy a new car. It's not go do something crazy. It's not go on a cruise, unless it's the marketing cruise, maybe the marketing cruise. Mm -hmm. But you want to hire somebody because that will instantly as long as you are disciplined, that will take the crap off of your plate that you're wasting your brain power on. The things that drain your brain power, like really fast, right? Think of your brain as a battery and you have some things that don't take any power and some things that take a lot. If you outsource the things that take a lot, suddenly you can get a lot more done and you're going to feel better. You're going to need less time on the charger, less time sleeping. So you found Gregory. He got you talked into hiring you hired the right people and you started scaling. So we're going to come back to the pitfalls and things to look out for. The second thing that I want to call out, and Gregory, you can definitely talk to this, I think. A lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're like, oh, you didn't do it good enough. I'm just going to redo it. Or I'm going, no one can do it as good as me. So I'll kind of train you and then I'll just fire you because you suck. I've definitely seen that happen. Gregory, do you want to talk to that and whatever other point you have? Because I think you have some good things to add to this. You know, I think you're right. Um, this, like, w- what you have to really understand, at least what, what I saw is, I don't want to work like a crazy man. I want to make a lot of money. And I want to make an impact on the world. But if I'm spending all my time doing all this stuff, I can't do that. And there's nobody on this earth that is successful, really successful, that doesn't have a team surrounding them to make that impact, create more value. Like, we get paid for value, right? So the more value you can push out, the more you will make money for. So this team idea is really, really important and it takes investment. Uh, it, there's no magic trick really to, to having a great team. You have to invest in them. So if I go ahead and I give my first task and I have to redo it, am I really investing in my team? No, I just took this, this opportunity to invest and to teach. And, and I, I threw it away and I did all the work and I'm going to have to redo that work again and again and again because I never invested in training them. Um, I would say one of the key things to remember is um, your first hire is probably the most important hire. And, and I'll, I'll say that on a couple points. First of all, um, you want to hire great when you your first hire because your first hire, you want somebody that's going to help you. If you hire a great person, there's gonna be less management that you're gonna to need to do. If you're gonna hire an average person, just somebody that rather than working at Burger King is working for you, you're gonna be working hard at managing them. 
So take the time to hire great at the beginning, even if it costs a tiny bit more money for that first hire. The, the second thing is because that's your first technician, that's the first person that's doing the work with you for you. If they're great, they're going to become your first manager. Mm -hmm. But if you hire a technician, that's just so, so right. Just average. And then you want to hire the second or third person to become the manager of the first few people. It's a little bit more complicated because they don't have the history with the company. And the first few people get a bit demotivated that this guy comes after me, but he's above me. There's that whole thing when you're a new company, it just doesn't flow really well. So I would say pay attention to your first hire, hire with leadership in mind, uh, and, and think that you're building a team. And this guy is going to be your manager in the future. So that would be one of the things that I would say. The second thing is... Um, there's really two types of businesses when you think about it, or two types of jobs. There's the operational job, the one that, you know, it's the same thing that you do again and again and again and again. It's the stuff we really don't like doing uh, as entrepreneurs, right? Um, and so there's a way of managing those type of jobs. And then there's the jobs like Dustin was looking at, which is like a developer, an artist. And these are jobs that, you know, you're creating something. Like he, we were creating mobile games, right? So you're creating something. So it's not a repetitive thing. Like we're always creating something new and there's a different management style for that. Um, the, I'll, I'll start with the first one quickly because I think it's the most important one. And the first hire normally is to redo these repetitive things like you know, take care of customer service or answer email or book appointments or follow up on leads. Like it, it's just the same thing. Uh, what I had done in my business before Dustin came in is I was really good at creating process documents. And that's where I invested my money. So, okay, I'm going to hire my, my first person, but as I teach them how to do the work, I'm going to write it down. And the best thing of all, I'm going to record my screen and show them how to do the work. And the minute that I came with that thought of creating these process documents, it changed everything. All I had to think about was, okay, this is the input to this process. This is the stuff I give them to start. And this is the output I want. In between, it's the process. And I record that. The minute that you spend time training with your process, it frees up your mind in, in a way that's amazing. And this is the, the key, is that once you have a process and it's trainable, you can fire people without the burden of having to retrain them. And to me, that just changed everything. If the, uh, Before that, it was like, oh, maybe next month she'll be better. Uh, maybe, you know, if I train her a little bit more, she'll get, she'll get it. And after I had this process and it was videoed, like it was recorded on video, I was like, Noah, it's been two weeks. You can't follow the process. I'm sorry, I need to find somebody new. And that's before I learned how to hire great people. My first thought is hire fast, fire faster. You've heard that before. Yeah. Um, that's not how I do it today, but that's how I did it back then. The process really saved me for those recurring, uh, recurring uh, actions. Awesome. Dustin, I want to hear your thoughts on this. So as the entrepreneur who has tried to hire and gotten pissed off and done the work, when you started working with Greg, like what, what started moving for you and how did things happen? So I realized something and you actually kind of mentioned this and it's something that I've realized is so critical for every entrepreneur. And it is 
the concept of emotional energy. And entrepreneurs all the time are like, oh, you need to trade your money for somebody else's time. You know, you're trading money for time. No, 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 no. Because what ends up happening if you're thinking that is you end up trading your money, your energy, and then your time just for their time. And it's a bad deal. But when you find the right people, like we have a rule in our company. Now, we don't fire people very often. Honestly, we don't. We used to. It was like, like literally we would hire five people for one job, fire four of them two weeks later. That was our process when we started. And we thought, and it is a process, but that was our process, right? Like that's, that's what we <laughs> thought. We, you know, we thought we were good, right? So, so um, if we talk about somebody more than three times in a management meeting in a six-month period, we let them go. That's it. It's like you, you, you came up in, in conversation too often. And, and I know that sounds really harsh, um, but the truth of the matter is it's, it's freeing for the company and it's freeing for the people because, you know, nobody wants to be in a position where they're not excelling. And some people excel in some roles and some people excel in other roles. And, you know, if they're a great person, yeah, we'll move them in the team and, and try doing that. I would say, though, you know, one of the biggest things for me, like I, I remember just the astonishment when I realized that I didn't have to do the same thing twice. I hate doing the same thing over and over again, which was my whole business model. Like it was a slight edge, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And I hated my life, but I knew I needed to make this work. Um, and so realizing that, wow, I can get great people and I can teach them and they actually enjoy rinse and repeat. They don't want to be thinking. They, they you know, they want to just, you know, they're happier than I, like, so- such yeah. a crazy like aha moment because to us it's like who likes that but there are people who love that totally totally they want a process to follow they they want to just like do the same thing and predict work and that's why i hate a job because every job they want you to do the same thing that you did last week you know like what you know i worked at a grocery store and i was like i received packages i never changed i never got to go be a cashier or work in the front office i always just received packages so yeah, for me, that was, that was really one of the critical realizations. The other cool thing, and, and you know, we talk about like mistakes to avoid. And, and I would say the biggest thing that I learned is never hire friends and family. And man, I see entrepreneurs do it all the time. I have had to uh, release back into the wild siblings, sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, you know, family, friends. There, there's a guy that I went to church with. I still go to church with. I, I had to fire him like 10 years ago. It's still awkward, you know, like. Do you guys follow, do you follow Dan Kennedy at all? No, I don't. Okay, Dan Kennedy is a classic old school marketer, but he talks about the friends and family thing. And he's like, it's better to just write them a check for five grand and say, hey, I value our friendship, our relationship. I can't hire you, but I'm going to give you this money. Just pretend that I hired you. Go do something fun and think of me positively. Yeah. <laughs> no, amen. Amen. I mean, it's it's just better. It's just better for everybody. So well, they, they all want a job and they all want to they they're like, oh, you're doing really great. You can hire me. And but it 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 almost never works out. Uh, Greg, you have something to say. So let's let's jump over. You know, I wanted to finish the story a little bit and give you the end of it, too, because I think the end is really good, too, because there is a lot of pain in growing a business. OK, there's a lot of pain and and hiring people that don't work in, in front of you can be also very painful. But at the end of the day, 
we were able to create systems, we outsourced, we had our first four or five people. In the first year, we published over 350 games. Guess what? When you publish that much, a few of them exceeded, did really well. Uh, we grew the company to having about 30 people outsourced around the world, including managers. And once we had managers, actually Dustin and I were probably working two hours a day, bringing in serious five figures a month each. And we sold the business for high seven figures uh, in four years. So the end of the story, I like a lot because you know what? There is an investment. You have to hire great. You have to build this team. But like we ended up being just the top managers and having other managers have all the meetings and we were working two hours a day because we wanted to. And, and we were just, I'm sure uh, Lindy, Dustin's wife was quite happy at that point and there was no more threats of a job, right? <laughs> yeah, no, she hasn't threatened me with that for a while. <laughs> so I want to dive in. So uh, that is an awesome story, right? It comes full circle. You hire the right people. It allows you to scale. And the difference between scaling and growth, this is something that I heard uh, at a conference a couple of years ago. To When you grow, you have to put more money and more time and more energy in because you're doing it yourself. Scaling means that you are finding systems and resources to do that for there for you. And although there is a small cost, it's not the investment size cost of thousands and thousands of dollars and dumping money into new hardware, new software, new things, right? That's the difference between growing and scaling. And I think you pointed that out really well. By scaling, you were able to pull yourself more and more out of the business. The business was able to go up and up and you only worked because you wanted to. You got to do the things that you felt called to do. So I want to I want to shift the conversation a little bit. If either of you have comments, that's totally fine. But what I want to dive into is one, how do you hire the right people? Because I think every entrepreneur listening to this has tried to hire, myself included. Um, I've hired, I've had to fire, I've had to hire. I didn't get scammed like Dustin did, but I definitely had the pain of paying, you know, Couple, couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand dollars and getting very subpar results or having somebody that was great for the first month and then fell off a cliff and like, just like couldn't get anything done. So I'd love to hear more about that. Gregory, please. I'm going to say two things to start off. There's a lot of different things, but first of all, go for the superstar. Go for the top two, 3% of the population in that country. Um, and that's what the problem is with, you know, hiring in the US and Canada is that if you're going to go to the superstar level, you're going to be spending, you know, fifty to hundred thousand uh, dollars per month. Like that's what superstars get paid here. Well, in other countries, it's not like that. Um, you, you can hire superstar around the thousand, fifteen hundred dollar level for qualified people, and these are people that have university degrees. They're really, really good. Um, and so I would go like spend the time to do the interviews. We have a three-step interview method. I'm sure Dustin will get into that after but go ahead and spend the time to interview people until you go like, that is a great person. Uh, so don't settle for mediocre, don't settle for good, don't settle for, for okay, go for great right off the bat. Does, does Dustin, I wanna hear about the interview process because I've heard people that have done that, right? They, they look at a website, they find the people who are higher priced and they're like, those must be the rock stars. They interview really well. They show up to the interview. They've got a nice background. They've got a nice computer. They they seem on par. They pay the person what 
like more than the average by far. And then the person doesn't work out. So how do you know who the rock stars are? Because I think if you can identify them, I agree. Um, one of my really good friends with an Amazon business hired a guy with a Harvard MBA that lives in India and he got him for about 40 K a year. Um, and the dude runs his entire seven figure Amazon business, but he's like, everybody asked him how he did it. And he was like, I, I don't know. I just got lucky. He applied and I interviewed him. So I want to hear Dustin or Greg, either one of you, I want to hear how you actually find those people and do it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I can tell you the mechanic, but before that, I'll tell you the mindset. The mindset is successful people. There's evidence of it. And so the first thing we do is we get really clear about, about the, I'm, I'm not going to say the hard skills, more the soft skills that this person needs, whether it's person skills, strategy, those things that are not technical, because we can test for technical acumen. We can test if somebody can program. We can test if somebody understands PHP. Those are things that are testable. Um, what is harder to find is, can they think outside the box? Can they solve problems without you know, coming to you and asking a thousand questions? Are they honest? Are they hardworking? All of those things are and more the soft skills. So the mindset is we're looking for evidence of that. So one, we get really we get really specific about it. The second thing is we do the, the way we find, so this is more technical, the way we find evidence of that is we do really in-depth um, both interviews as well as reference checks. So a normal HR interview might go something like, and I used to do this, so tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. What are your goals? That's bupkis right? So let's say we're hiring somebody for, for you, Steve, and you're like, I need somebody who can write sales copy. That, that is the thing that I need. They need to be able to understand the product and write sales copy. We would say to them, okay, give me an example when you've written highly converting sales copy. And they'll say, oh, this was at my last job, blah, 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 blah. They'll give us that example. And then we say, okay, what was the name of that manager? Oh, that was, you know, Juan Carlos. Okay, perfect. Can you put us in touch with him? And then we go ask him the exact same question on a scale of one to 10, how good was the copy he wrote? And, and all of a sudden, you know, we call it the FBI interview method. And the reason is, is, is the FBI, most of their interviews are with friendlies. Like, you know, it's not waterboarding, it's not interrogation, it's with, but they have to verify that information and, and turn it into something that's real and actionable. And so by doing the reference checks with very specific questions, not, hey, will you tell us about so-and-so? Like that's general. No. Can you tell us one time when they, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how much strategy did they show and give us that story? And then we get the same story out of them. And if it matches up, then we know we have somebody honest. I will not hire somebody who's dishonest. So that's like, you know, they're just gone. If it doesn't miss, there's no further discussion, but then we, we know from previous managers very specifically, Oh, they have demonstrated this thing in their life. And so that to me is the number one indicator. Have they done it before? Um, you know, are you going to bet on an entrepreneur that's never succeeded or one that succeeded four or five times? Absolutely. You know? Greg has his hand up. So, you know, I'm going to go with what Dustin said. One of the questions we asked in an in-depth interview, he kind of brought it up, but I'm going to go a little bit more detailed. We mm -hmm. asked them on a scale of one to 10, what will your previous boss say about your performance at their company? And they'll say an eight. Okay, great. Why an eight? And then we'll learn some things why it wasn't a 10. And this is the key because this is what's really important. When we go talk to the boss now, we say, well, um, 
so-and-so said that, you know, he was sometimes showing late on time and that's something that you would have said, you know, you didn't like or that he wasn't always following the process. What do you have to say about it? And the minute that you tell someone that's giving your reference check, check something negative that the person said about themselves, they open up. It's like, okay, it's out of the, it's out of the can. I can now say what I really wanted to say because most of the time you do a reference check, it's just superficial. You don't get into the bottom of anything and you don't get the truth. So the questions we ask in each interview have three different interviews. We have the, this, this beginning interview where we just check to see if it's worth investing our time with this person. The in-depth interview takes about two hours and Dustin was talking about it. We ask the same questions for every single job they've had for two hours. What the beauty of that is for the first 30 minutes, yeah, they're acting like any job interview. But after a while, when you start talking with somebody for that long, they start opening up and they start telling you things that they would never tell you in a job interview. And you start to get to know who they really are because you've built that rapport in that interview. And then we check it with their previous boss. We try to find evidence, as Dustin was saying, that they are amazing people. Um, but I wanted to bring that up. These little questions, there's little trick questions we ask in the interview so that we can really open up the can of worms inside of the reference check so that we get the truth. And, and we just don't get this stuff that everybody tells you. Nice. I like that a lot. I think anyone listening to this can pick up on that and use that kind of system. Um, I want to talk about, I want to ask you guys, what are other mistakes that you guys have figured out how not to do, right? What's, uh, go ahead. The first thing is everybody, when they ever think about hiring outside of the U.S. or Canada, they think of the Philippines. And we did it. Okay, we're in it. Philippines, India. We rarely hire in the Philippines and India. Um, I don't want to say anything bad about people because I think the Filipino people is one of the very nicest, best people in the world. I love them. Okay, And, and they're pretty good at working. They just live in the wrong time zone, uh, to be honest with you. It is so hard for them physically. We've had people from the Philippines working in our company for seven years, six years, and it just breaks them down. Uh, the last one we had to let him go uh, earlier this last year, uh, it just couldn't work anymore. So, um, and, and our management style is we need people to work in some form of core hours. So even if we have people around the world, we have some core hours, five hours throughout the day, the way everybody in the company has to be working during those five hours so we can actually get together and work. The other three hours, we don't really care when you do them, but the five core hours, it's important and it just breaks them down. So we rarely hire from the Philippines. The second I think I'm gonna say, and I think Dustin's gonna talk about it, is that different countries have different cultures and we have found amazing people, let's say in Macedonia, you wanna hire a manager, hire a Macedonian. I'm telling you, we've never had a bad Macedonian manager. They have this attitude. It's a bit like they're Alexander the Great and they take no BS and they will get results for you. It is so amazing. We find other people in Latin America for specific jobs. So after a while, you hire enough around the world, you get to know, hey, this kind of job would go really well with this culture profile that's in that country. And that's been a really big secret for us. That's uh, that's pretty interesting, Dustin. I want to hear your take on that. 
Yeah. So it, it, it's so funny because like Gregory mentioned it right on the nail, right on the head. When uh, um, we have one manager and he can, he can come into a room and he's, he's very comfortable saying, you guys are not acting professional. You're acting like a bunch of little girls, you know, put your big boy pants on and get to work. And yet he remains, he keeps the rapport where they still will come and complain to him and talk to him and interact with him. And they're not offended or they are, but they, they're like offended the way you get offended by like one of your older siblings, like, you know, like they accept it and, and realizing like when we made the recognition that, wow, we're starting to get these kind of people in different countries, it, it helped us in a huge, huge way because sometimes there's a mismatch from a company, a country culture, right? Where, you know, Americans, for example, like I can talk to somebody, an American, and in five minutes, I can tell they're from California. Doesn't matter where in the world they are, I can tell. It's the same with Texas, you know? So there's like Californians, Texans, and everybody else, as far as I'm concerned, in America. Oh, New York, come on, New York. Yeah, okay, New York has its own, you're right, New York does have its own own flavor too. But, but you know, it's the same, it's the same in these different countries. And so sometimes you can hire somebody who, who their natural disposition doesn't have a skill or a talent or ability, but because of their country culture, uh, like one of our HR managers is, again, she's actually from, from Macedonia. And naturally, I can tell you she's not an organized person. She's an artistic person. She makes jewelry on the weekend. She's sort of like a little bit new age hippie, you know, that that's sort of her natural disposition. But because her country has taught her the importance of scheduling and organization, she is, she has systems already in place to completely compensate for a natural weakness. And so she, there's no, from, from a company perspective, there's no deficiency just because she had that personal weakness. And so we can hire people for different roles and, and you start getting a really good sense for it where you know, some roles, you need to have a, a strong understanding of American culture. We can hire somebody for that. And, and there's a different person and there's a different country that you're going to go to for a sales position versus an artistic position versus a customer service position. And right. so, yeah, realizing that we didn't need to just hire Filipinos was, was life-changing for us. I mean, how big is, how big are the Philippines, right? Like this big world population wise, like, I don't know, maybe 2 million people, I don't even know. And then you just you just blew the doors off. So my question would be, when somebody chooses to work with you, how do you guys go about finding people? Like, because I don't think as far as I know, there's not like a hire Macedonians.mh. So, so because we've been doing this for so long, we've actually developed relationships with the local language company job boards. Um, in tons of different countries. And so we, we generally will have a good idea of where we're going to hire for, uh, you know, based on the conversation with the entrepreneur. Um, and, and then from there, we, you know, we're going to go to the different job boards that are applicable. It, it is a little bit difficult um, for a lot of entrepreneurs, but if, if you really want to do it yourself and, and, you know, people, people do it all the time for themselves, you know, I would say Google Translate is your friend. <laughs> um, right. Because you can go, you can go to those job boards. I, in fact, I sometimes 
I don't often have to, you know, check listings and stuff, but every once in a while I do. And I'm using Google Translate because this board's in Spanish and that board's in Macedonian and that board's in Greek and that board, you know, like, and they're all in different languages. Um, our team fortunately speak those languages, nor, you know, naturally. And so I don't have to deal with that um, as often. So I want to shift the conversation just a little bit because you guys have given a ton of value. I want to know, I, I feel like we maybe should have started with this one, but a lot of people listening to this are probably like, I would love to hire somebody, but I'm either not profitable yet or I'm not profitable enough yet. Can you guys speak to that? Like one, what should your budget be? And what do you think in all reality, what do you think people should be making in their business when they hire? I, I, will, I will give you my answer. If, if my family can get food from the church, I will spend all of my money hiring. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, like to me, because it's the, it's the only way to grow faster than the work I can do. And quite frankly, it, I can come up with a good plan, but I can't actually execute that plan eight hours of the day. Like I just can't, I go crazy, but there's people who's who, who can, and A, most of these people, like I would, to a person, there's not a single person in my company that doesn't know their job way better than I do. Like right. I couldn't, I couldn't replace any of the people I've hired. I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the experience. Um, they couldn't replace me either, but I couldn't replace them. And so, so uh, like for me personally, I've proved it, you know, time and again, but if, if my family is not starving, then nothing else matters. I'm going to hire somebody. That's, I like that. And what do you think a minimum budget, like what's an employee that you would hire for somebody costs? Like just give us a ballpark. Cause I know it's different. I, I think, I think if you want somebody excellent, I think $800 is the low end um, for a month, for a month, full time dollars a week. I just want to call that out like 200 yeah. bucks a week. If you're in business, if you're an entrepreneur, you should be able to come up with 200 bucks a week. I mean, to quote Robert Kiyosaki, if you can't call it with 200 bucks a week, you need to figure your shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not in business. It's just a hobby before them. Yeah. So, so I, I, I would say uh, Dustin's right. Like you want to, to come up with at least $800. Um, I know in the Philippines you can hire for less than that. But again, our experience is just we, we try not to hire from there that much. Um, what, what I would say, though, is if you can scrape a bit more, it's going to help. Uh, more money will mean, first of all, we can go into countries that have different cultures uh, that will be really good for your company. Um, the level of English that you really want, like how, like whether it's an eight on 10, that's not a problem. But if you're looking for a nine, nine and a half on 10, it gets a lot more expensive. And then technical skills, like there's some there's some jobs that are really in high demand. Uh, a developer is it's just in demand in around the world. It doesn't matter like what who you are. So it's going to take a little bit more. So there's a few technical things and a few language things that make a difference. Uh, even a copywriter, copywriters, you know, to find a good copywriter, it's not that cheap. So that's what I would say. But the first person, honestly, what I like to do is I like to fire myself. And so find yourself, like, what is it that you don't really like doing and that you have to do all the time? And actually the stuff that you're procrastinating and that because you're procrastinating, it's, it's preventing you from going to the next level. 
that is the job you want to replace. You want to fire yourself out of the technician role and then fire yourself out of all the technician role until you're only in the management role. But it's still work. Like when you're in management role, you still can't go to Florida all, all year long and, and be at the beach. It's still work, okay? And then you fire yourself out of the management role into the entrepreneurial role. And you just do what you want to do and everything's taken. So I like to fire myself from the bottom. I like it. I have one more question that I want to ask. And it has to do with security. So, I mean, Dustin, you had somebody, you stole a laptop and ran away. And I've had, I haven't had this happen in a long time. But when I first built a website, I hired somebody. And within... I don't know, within six weeks, the website was hacked. And then my Instagram, which they were posting, they were doing auto posting on my Instagram for me got hacked. And it was all because of and they said they were a good. I believe they were a good employee. I don't think they sold me out. I think they just ended up using they used I don't know if they were working in an internet cafe. I have no idea. But they were like, Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And like, super, super apologetic. How how do you handle security concerns? If I'm I'm thinking about my own business here, I post on YouTube all the time. I have a website that I would need somebody to do stuff on. How can I trust giving my stuff, my credentials to them? They're halfway around the world. So I'll say two things. Uh, one thing, again, people are remarkably consistent in their lives. Um, you know, if you if you looked at me ten years ago. And you look at me in 10 years, 10 years ago, I was hustling. I'm hustling now in 10 years, I'll be hustling. It turns out like when we sold the company, we had enough to retire. It turns out that's super depressing, right? Like I thought it was all about the money until I had the money and then it's not about the money, right? And, and so, um, so people are remarkably consistent. So again, those reference checks are critical because if they were sloppy with security in the past, they're gonna be sloppy with security with you. That's that. Sometimes people learn, but it takes a long time. Um, the second thing I'd say is we use LastPass and we use the team version, so they can't see the password. They have access to use it through LastPass, but they can't actually visually see the last the, the LastPass password. Yeah. Uh, and so um, that every time somebody is fired, the passwords get changed, and every six months they get changed if nobody's been fired. So, um, yeah. The other thing is in your process, um, especially as you're a new business at the very beginning, um, I I would never let them do the whole thing. So uh, let's say that uh, part of it was to create something. The other part was selling it. I was kind of always keeping one person does the creation part and he doesn't know how to sell it. And the guy that's selling it, he doesn't know how to create it. Like I I like to kind of create a bit of a barrier there because I don't want to train somebody to uh, steal my business away from me. So there's a bit of being smart. Um, I, I think there's risks with employment with in any country, even in your own country. For um, sure. It doesn't matter the minute that you start growing a team, there always will be some risk. You have to be careful. We also don't work with people that are dishonest. If you're dishonest with little things, what stops you from being dishonest with big things? So as soon as we find dishonesty, we just get let, let people go. And that, that's just a, you know, trust is super important. And we tell them right off the bat, say, if you're going to do anything that's dishonest and we catch you with the small stuff, we will let you go uh, because we just can't work with you. That's, that um, is a great rule. 
Yeah. It, it, anyway, so they're, they're like, you can never remove 100% of the risk. It never doesn't, well, the only way is you do everything yourself for the rest of your life. And you will never be a very successful person if you do that. Um, <clears throat> so I've got one last question and then we'll wrap this up. I want to know what all you guys can hire for, because you just mentioned sales, you mentioned developers, you've mentioned copywriters, you've mentioned managers. Just if somebody's listening to this, I want you to listen to the list of names, positions they're going to roll off that you can get for under $1,000 a month. And just imagine what this would do to grow and scale your business. Dustin or Gray, I don't... Either one I'll, of you. I'll, I'll go. I'd say the first and most important role, and Gregory mentioned this, is the general VA, uh, because that's the person that later becomes the manager for your whole team as the team grows. So, so a general VA, and and really think this is the person that's replacing every technical thing you're doing. Like that's and and when you hire that person, that's the first time you taste real freedom. Oh. It, it's such a beautiful thing. I love it. So general VA, then any technical position, as long as it can be done on a computer. So, you know, I, I can't, I can't outsource a cashier at the grocery store, but I can outsource the person that answers the phone. I can outsource the person that takes the photos that creates the ad, uh, you know, so graphic designers, web designers, link builders, uh, lead generation, appointment setters, people to answer phones, um, anything in that vein, technical positions, we've hired architects, we've hired programmers, we've hired lawyers and accountants and, um, you know, copywriters. Um, what else, Rory? I mean, you know, any, anything that a person can do on their computer, you can outsource it and you can probably outsource it for, you know, like a quarter to a fifth, the price of what it would cost locally and get people like, like I have a 2d artist who has his MBA from the University of BC in Vancouver. He lives in, he lives in um, Mexico and he's an amazing 2D artist. He prefers art to business. Granted, I have him running one of my teams because he has a knack for business and he understands the big picture, you know, but again, he's right at that thousand dollars a month mark. And I, I mean, he's got an MBA from Vancouver, you know, that's, like that's not, that's not uncommon. The, the thing that, you're pointing out so well is as entrepreneurs, we do a lot of things and we do it at like a decent level, right? We get, we get things done, but you can hire somebody that loves doing that singular thing over and over and over. And they are going to be so much better than you, especially yeah. at a thousand dollars a month. Social media managers. That's another great one. You know, you need somebody to go comment on all those Instagram posts and follow people back and respond to the Instagram messages and the, your direct messages in your Facebook and, and look, look through every post on ClickFunnels and figure out how they can get a little angle in there so that your profile gets followed. Who has time for all that crap, right? Somebody in Bulgaria. That's right. A Bulgarian. No, I go to America. They're just a lot warmer, but still, you know. The thing is that it's not really crap because if you do that over time, it is a slight edge that can make your business thing. increase. I'll go one step further, uh, Steve. Let's say that I had a cashier. I can't replace the cashier, to be honest. But if I have a video camera, I can pay somebody for two hours a day to check all the video cameras to see which cashier is stealing. There um, there's, there's a ways of taking people outside of, of your business that can look in. Like, how, how about a sales trainer for your in-store salesperson so that they look at the cameras and the video and they say, oh, you know what? 
when you talk to that couple about buying that couch, you didn't follow our process. Let's work on that. Like there's like your imagination is the limit, especially with the technology that we have today. That is awesome. So anyone listening to this that is still not sold, you guys need to check your pulse. Gregory, Dustin, where can they find out more about you guys? Where should they go if they want to get in contact? And if you want to share pricing, you're welcome to do that. Whatever, because I know that people listening are like, "How okay, how do I move forward? I'll let Dustin do that. But I'm going to say, Dustin, let's give everybody a discount if they mention Steve's name. Okay. Yeah, I think we can do that for sure. Um, so if you go to expertoutsourcingsecrets.com, uh, you can book a link. You'll, uh, you'll get a call with me. Um, and it's a half hour coaching call. S- sometimes you're not ready. And I'll tell you that. Um, sometimes you don't even know what to outsource and I'll, I'll, you know, kind of go through it and help you with it. I love talking to entrepreneurs. That's really why we did this business. Like we could have done anything. And I was like, I just want to hang out with entrepreneurs. So let's, let's do something where, where we get to do that. So um, yeah, expertoutsourcingsecrets.com. You can hop on a free call with us. And if we're a good fit, we'll, you know, we'll tell you, hey, we're a good fit. We can help you. If we can't help you, we'll tell you, hey, we can't help you. But no matter what, what you'll get out of it is a better understanding of how to outsource your business and how to scale it up so that you're not stuck in the grind so that you, you know, can take what you know and what you're great at and leverage that across, you know, across the world because you don't have to do everything yourself. Awesome. Well, guys, I want to say thank you so much for showing up and sharing so much value. I think anyone listening to this call could probably go figure out how to hire somebody. You'd be better off just hiring these guys. Go have a call with them at least. Um, I've talked to Dustin a couple times. He is one of the nicest guys in the world, and he truly does have a heart for entrepreneurs. I just want to say thank you guys so much for being on. Hey, thanks, Steve. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. And I'm just going to finish off by saying that just when you talk to Dustin, please let them know that Steve Werner has, uh, like you listen to the podcast, we will give you a discount of $300 uh, off our price just for that, because we want to make sure that, you know, like you get the, the best for it. And Dustin will, will remember that for sure. Thank you, Steve. Sorry. No problem. Guys, it has been my pleasure to all of you listening. Go check them out, expertoutsourcingsecrets.com. And until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to deathtobadwebinars.com and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time.